Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Hopefully everybody's doing great out there and I think we should get into the episode. This week's episode takes me back to one of my all-time favorite movies. And not only that, it's one that I have extremely fond memories of in the theater. Starring Michael Keaton, Gina Davis, and Alec Baldwin. This is Tim Burton's 1988 masterpiece, Beetlejuice. So, what could actually be said about Beetlejuice? Not much. A lot of people that know film even better than what I do have already spoken on this one, and there's a lot of information you can find out on the internet. Warner Brothers recently released a 4K edition of Beetlejuice, and that was reason enough for me to actually go and revisit this one. I do like films, and I try not to revisit them too often because I don't want to get tired of a film. I actually can get tired of seeing the same movie over and over again, and that's one reason why I try to pace myself as far as my viewing on them. It's always fun to go back and revisit and see things that you may not have seen before, and also maybe rekindle that feeling of when you saw it for the first time. Of course, with doing this, it allows us to go back to certain time periods in our life, and it really is a great feeling. And for that reason, I don't view movies over and over again. I try to have a couple-year gap in between. Since there is a lot of stuff that's well-known about Beetlejuice, I will actually go and provide my story on the movie, my thoughts on the movie, and also maybe provide a little bit of trivia about the movie itself. I'm not going to fill the episode with a lot of trivia or anything like that, or it's just there's a lot of stuff out there already on Beetlejuice, and I don't want to load up my episode with that too much. Released on March 30th, 1988, I was still three years old at this point, and my mom would take me occasionally to the movies, uh, generally when I was around two or so. This is the first movie that I can remember actually seeing in theaters, and it was also one of my introductions into horror movies, and it pretty much became a lifelong obsession of mine. It is my go-to genre of film, as I think you, the listener, have already figured out by now. But yes, I was only a few months away from being four when this actually came out. And I remember that in the theater, it was pretty amazing to see something like this. It reminded me of a cartoon, but it was in live action. And it was a really cool experience for me back then. It also kind of started up a little thing with my mom and I as far as singing songs uh, in the car and such. We would sing the Harry Belafonte Calypso song, such as the Deo song, and it was just awesome. So I have nothing but great memories and experiences with this film. I remember that we had to wait about a year or so before it got released on pay-per-view that was the earliest release that I can remember that we saw of it at home and we recorded it off of pay-per-view and I had that for quite a while that's what people did back in the day this is probably the earliest times of piracy 
was actually going and recording a movie off of pay-per-view or HBO or whatever premium channel you might have had or didn't have. Maybe you recorded off of a regular broadcast TV. That recorded version of Beetlejuice got a lot of play in my house and at my dad's house when I was a kid. And, well, I did purchase it many times throughout the years. And honestly, I'm probably not done with my purchases of Beetlejuice. But I was such a big fan, and still am. I actually dressed up as Beetlejuice for Halloween one year. I used to watch the cartoon show religiously. I used to get the tapes when I was a kid with the various different volumes that they had. That's actually how they released them back in the day. It's very annoying. They would only release a few episodes as different volumes. I think it had like two episodes on each tape. Of course, the cartoon show doesn't hold a candle to the movie. And the cartoon show is a little bit on the strange side considering it has Lydia and Beetlejuice as like best buds. But, you know, honestly, I guess that's probably the best way to adapt that into a more child-friendly experience. Beetlejuice the movie is not overly bad as far as being adult, but it does have some dark themes to it. And honestly, the part with the snake actually scared me when I was a kid when Beetlejuice turns into the railing snake. That was actually pretty scary for me, and eventually, you know, of course I got over it, but there was a time where that actually freaked me out. This movie is definitely appropriate for families with older children, but it's not as family-friendly as some other films may be. This movie was made at a time when you had those PG and PG-13 horror films and family horror films where, with the right, I guess, explanation and parental guidance and such, then it was just fine for that type of viewing. But it's something that's sadly missing from today's cinema. I think the closest that we had to a family type of horror film would be scary stories to tell in the dark, which did somewhat recapture that a little bit. I don't think it was entirely successful, but I thought it was a pretty decent film overall. Of course, Beetlejuice tells the story of the Maitlands that presumably cannot have children, so they're dealing with sort of a... I don't know if it's called an empty nest type of scenario but it's hinted at throughout the movie that they can't have any kids so they make the best of their life with what they have the husband adam played by alec baldwin he owns a hardware store in town and him and his wife barbara played by gina davis are going on vacation things don't work out the way they're supposed to they avoid hitting a dog and wind up driving off a bridge the only problem I have with this scene is the fact that it doesn't seem like they wouldn't be able to survive the fall of the car from the height of the bridge into the lake. I'm only assuming that they might have been knocked out from the impact and maybe drowned to death in the car. That's the only way that they could not survive this. It's, it's very cartoony with the way it's done and... Of course, with their death, they wind up returning home and they don't know it, but months have passed and they're dead and gone. But yet, they still live. Their spirits are haunting their house. 
And that's what sets the whole story in motion because they have new house owners and they're the artsy, yuppie type and they're changing the house from what they knew it to be. And Adam and Barbara want them out. Adam and Barbara do have some problems trying to get them out by trying to scare the family to death, the Dietz family. And, well, they call upon Beetlejuice to help them out. This movie is filled with a lot of interesting, inventive, and creative things. Tim Burton doubles down on the stop-motion animation stuff that he basically started out doing when he was at Disney. There are a couple stop-motion animation films that he produced, such as Vincent, and also he did the live-action Frankenweenie. All of those have that light-hearted, gothic Tim Burton feel that in many ways is a throwback to horror films from the 1930s to 1950s, specifically the universal horror. I really get that type of feel from what Tim Burton does and continues to do to this day. Whether Tim Burton is making a horror-themed film or not, you always know it's a Tim Burton film no matter what. And I think Beetlejuice is a very important piece of what shaped him as a director. If you look at something like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, that film had some animated and stop-motion animation scenes and segments. This one here has a lot more of that and really allows him to express his creativity. I don't doubt that every creature in this film was actually designed by Tim Burton or at least overseen. It has a very hands-on approach, especially if you take a look at some of his drawings and just a lot of his creative output, such as a lot of people think that he directed The Nightmare Before Christmas, which he did not. However, his style and his production style definitely carries over into that. And Beetlejuice is pretty much the one that established what a Tim Burton movie should look and feel like, in my opinion. Granted, Pee-wee's Big Adventure definitely has that feel, but Beetlejuice was the time where he got more confident and definitely went all in with his style here. I think it's interesting with how lighthearted Tim Burton is as far as the concept of death Specifically with the way it's portrayed here, it is very humorous that death, when you need help in the spirit world, that you are essentially put to a waiting room. It's very much a satire, specifically with how if you take your own life, then you're going to become a civil servant and basically almost like hell at that point because all you're doing is sitting at a desk and forced to work what essentially would be a city or secretary style job. It's pretty hilarious with the way it's carried through here and interesting that that would be more or less a living hell in Tim Burton's opinion. I like how everything is very brightly colored. It's very dark, but yet the colors are very inventive and almost remind me of some of the stuff that George Romero pulled off in Creepshow almost a EC Comics type of vibe with the color scheme going on. And I gotta tell you, with the 4K release of this with HDR, it really is like seeing the movie for the first time. 
I really like the fact, too, that everybody is all in in this movie. They know that the movie is ridiculous, and and I think if they were to make a movie like this today, I don't think it would ever get greenlit. It's too crazy for its own good, but it's definitely a great thing here because it makes the movie unique and it makes it entertaining, and it's one of the things that makes this movie so special to a lot of people. That's one reason why it still survives is probably because it's different. I think the characters of Adam and Barbara are well cast with Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. I think they're fantastic with what they do here as far as the, well, we're going to try our best at life. And then also in death, they do the same thing. And they still provide a very naive look at everything. They're trying to make the best of it, and it seems like death is the least of their problems here. Instead, they're focused on their house that they love. And the thing is, they want the Dietz family out, but yet they found a soft spot for the Dietz's daughter, Lydia, played by Winona Ryder, who in this movie is emo before emo was cool. I guess at this point, she would be somebody that would listen to Joy Division or The Smiths or the cure or something like that but she does well with what she has and i think it's an interesting thing to wrap this movie that's all about death but yet finding a new way to live there are some pretty good moments in this movie too specifically with Catherine o'hara she is super annoying in the movie and you kind of love to hate her we have Jeffrey Jones, who I do have a hard time separating the art from the artist. However, he's all right here. If you don't know about Jeffrey Jones, look him up and why you should not support this guy as an actor. I do know that he's still doing acting of some sort nowadays, and I don't think he should get a second chance. But we are not talking about that. We're talking about Beetlejuice. It's just unfortunate that a lot of films that I enjoy, such as Howard the Duck, Beetlejuice, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, all feature this guy. And he is actually good in his roles in these films, even if they're knowingly bad, such as Howard the Duck. And yes, I do really enjoy that film. So I talked about everybody else's acting, but I didn't talk about the big one here, and that's Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. He does a fantastic job. This is a star-making performance by Michael Keaton. He was, as far as I can recall, always known as a comedic actor, and here he's perfect for the role. I can't imagine anybody else in it. The only way to actually successfully be Beetlejuice is not copy him and make it your own, which is what the actor for Beetlejuice the Musical did when I saw that on Broadway last year. Michael Keaton plays the role of Beetlejuice so over the top that you really can't help but have fun along with him. I feel that he was having a blast here on set, and it really is a shame that we never got a second Beetlejuice film with Michael Keaton in it. There was a lot of starts and stops as far as a Beetlejuice sequel, and sadly, I don't think we will ever get that, even though Tim Burton and Michael Keaton were on board for doing another Beetlejuice film a couple of years ago. But maybe it's good that we did not actually get a second Beetlejuice film. Originally, the plans were to put Beetlejuice in Hawaii 
and the original sequel that they wanted to make back in the day, I believe back in the early 90s, was called Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And that sounds awful. And that's an instance where I could think of maybe a sequel would taint the magic of the first film. It's probably a great thing that we did only get one film. And considering people's reactions to Tim Burton's more recent films and saying that he's just obvious and that he lost his spark, which I disagree on that because a Tim Burton movie, you always know what a Tim Burton movie is going to look and feel like no matter what. There's very few times where he gave up on that style. The only time that I can think of it is probably the movie Big Eyes, which was a pretty good movie in its own right. But like a lot of later day Tim Burton films, that one is mostly forgotten. It is fun that one of the scriptwriters and story credits for Beetlejuice was writer Michael McDowell, who worked on the original Tales from the Dark Side TV show. And considering Tales from the Dark Side had some fun episodes as far as jokey episodes mixed with horror, I can really see how this would actually fit in with that possibly, but only on a much bigger scale. Michael McDowell was also one of the writers on The Nightmare Before Christmas, and sadly, he passed away back in 1999 at the age of 49. As weird as Beetlejuice the film actually is, I think some of the trivia behind it is even more strange. I can't imagine anybody else being Beetlejuice other than Michael Keaton, and there was a couple strange choices along the way, or dream castings as far as what they wanted to do. For example, two of the other choices for Beetlejuice were actually Sam Kinison and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and honestly, I can't even come close to imagining that. I know that was at a time when Arnold wanted to do more comedies and such, but really, he would have been bad for the role. And even more strange is that this film has some slight ties to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Before Tim Burton was even on board to direct this one, Wes Craven was actually the first choice. Again, I couldn't imagine this at the hands of any other director. This is one of the few movies where everything about it, from production to director to casting, where everything was simply right. But with that being said, I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. And if you want to catch up on some past episodes, you can do so at AdamAnalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing, then drop me an email at AdamAnalyzesPodcast at gmail.com. And the last thing, if you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue making new episodes and reach new listeners. Plus, you know, I love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.